Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 374. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hello. It has been a, a minute since our last episode. Um, I want to apologize to everyone, but we are incredibly busy. Matt, being the hero of the Air Force, Treg lifting things, and me trying to avoid work, but failing miserably. Just got to get posted where I'm posted. I want to. I got to do a couple of years on this uh, this thing first, though. Get it out of the way. No. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? All right. So, uh, so as you can see, it's just me and Treg. Uh, Matt is incredibly, he's working for the Air Force. I think, I think he's just making it up. Apparently, plane guys work more than helicopter guys. Like, a lot more. Like, night and day. It's it's not hard to work more than helicopter guys. True, but, you know, a helicopter guy, what, they work what? 10 to 12? And that's their day. 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. 12 p.m. That's what I'm Two saying. hours. Like 10 Every to day. 10 to 10 to noon. At at most. Four days a week. Maybe. But Matt, he's like seven to seven. It's weekends. Can you imagine a helicopter guy working weekends? No. Exactly. They barely do it when we're sailing. Fixed wing Air Force types are the shit. The shit. Now I don't know if he's actually doing any work. I just know he's at work. It's still a step up. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason why we call him master. Master Corporal. We're just he's I'm just petty. I'm just a petty officer. I've I've become the chief of being petty. Um, but I'm a first class petty officer. True. So it's true. I mean, Top. I'm feeling a little bit extra petty because I'm only second class. But you're chief second class, so you're the head oh, yeah, of the yeah, second yeah. class petty people. Yeah, yeah. I'm leading the way. Anyone who doesn't know Navy, uh, Navy ranks, like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. So, uh, all right, then we'll we'll switch back to hockey, uh, and that's why people actually listen. It's not because of the military. I know I would hang up or stop watching. So uh, as we record today, it is the 19th of September. Today, uh, Hughes followed through on his promise to trade Casey DeSmith, and he traded him to the Canucks in return for Tanner Pearson in a third-round pick. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the rookie camp, which came to an end yesterday. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the cap and a bunch of other things. So why don't we just start first? 
with the rookie camp. Okay. You're writing an article on mm -hmm. your impressions of the rookie camp, and I'm going to piggyback on you here and there. But why don't you tell us who who did you see in this camp that really stood out to you? Uh, William Trudeau, I thought, had an excellent rookie camp for the Canadians. Um, he's, he played in the AHL last year with Laval, but I think he's really took a step forward. Um, and I thought he was excellent. I thought he was one of those. He reminded me of a Kovacevic. He was good in his own end. He was good in the offensive end. He he didn't make many mistakes. He was consistent. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was out there for, uh, you know, there were, I don't even think there's a goal against while he was on the ice, maybe in the Buffalo game, but, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, but he, I just found he had a very solid game for a defenseman. And I mean, we've always said on this show many times that if you don't hear a guy's name, especially a defenseman, it means he's having a good game. And uh, you kind of did hear Trudeau's game, but it was all in a positive light. There was, there, you didn't, you know, there wasn't many mistakes. There wasn't many uh, uh, miscues. It's just, he just played a good solid game. And so to me, I thought that was a big step forward for him. Uh, Turgenay, I thought had a pretty good, uh, I'm going to throw him out there too, because I thought he played well, but he's not, he's not going to be on my list, but I, I thought he had a pretty good, uh, good camp as well. So, you looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. That's uh, well, one. I, one I, don't know if you, I don't know if you want to do one at a time or if you want me to do all three and then talk. So, Well, with Touring, I, I watched him closely as well because he did play pro last year. And, mm -hmm. you know, being such a small defenseman, he's kind of, you know, at a disadvantage. But I thought he skated extremely well. He was well positioned. He was a little out of place at times, you can tell. And, and that's why it just screams Laval for him. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. He, he played well, not not excellent, didn't stand out per se, but he did okay. Uh, on my end, on the blue line, the one, uh, I loved Trudeau's game throughout the tournament. And I thought he did amazing. Wearing the C helped kind of. Mm -hmm help him stand, stand out a little bit because of the leadership side. And I know people are going to hate that I say this, but I thought Logan Mayu showed the most improvement from game one to game three, because game one, he was absolute trash. Well, he's actually another guy on my list. Uh, yeah. And I agree. I thought, um, I like what Montreal did. They kept him from the press after game one and sheltered yeah. him. He did. He didn't. Uh, that he kept him from the plus in game two as well. Um, but I'm going to bring a caveat. He did improve through the tournament, but Boston and Ottawa were not really good prospect teams. I think each team only had actually three top prospects on each team, but I'm not taken away from his play. The thing I noticed with Mayu is in game one, he was just, it was all nerves. It was, it, it was like he yeah. tried to do, he was nervous and then tried to do too much at everything he did and i mean his defensive game in game one was just terrible it was 
terrible. Like I can understand why people were saying this guy's not even an AHL player. I think people overreacted, of course, to the, the first game. Canadians but, uh, fans overreacted. Yeah, um, but I found game game against Boston. I thought he was excellent, and a game against Ottawa, I thought he was the best defenseman on the ice. And uh, oh yeah. He hit what two posts? I think his shot is so accurate. Um, for for a guy who's only played a hundred games over the past three years, he seems to catch on very quick. Um, I found what mistakes he did make in the defensive end in the next two games. He didn't make twice. Um, he calmed down. He relaxed, uh, and uh, he just played his game. And the thing with Mayu is, this is what you're gonna so. By no means am I, am I comparing Mayu to this hockey player that I'm going to name. Okay, so before anyone goes crazy, like today when I said I think Nemich and Mayu will both be second pair defensemen, that doesn't mean I think they're going to be the same defensemen. It just means I think they're both going to play on a second pair for the team they're playing for. You monster. <laughs> I know. Anyway, think of P.K. Subban and the way Subban played. Highly, highly offensive defenseman, below average defender. Sure. That's that's kind of what Mayu is going to be. I think he's a little bit better defensively um, over time, or I think he will could be over time. But that's what you're going to get for Mayu. You're going to get a guy who could probably, if he's partnered with the right D partner, like maybe a Caden Gooley, maybe. Um this is a guy who could probably get you 50, 60 points as an offensive defenseman. Um, and that's kind of like Subin too, because with, with Subin, he had his best years when he had Markov on his, on his, on his pairing. So a ghoulie who I'm not comparing to Markov whatsoever. You I'm are just, I am. Yeah, totally. They're exactly the same. It's unbelievable. It's uncanny. No, but so Markov was that, that steadying force on the blue line for Subin. Whereas someone like Gouli could be for uh, Mayu. Whereas in this tournament, it was Trudeau who was playing that solidifying force yeah. for him. And I believe that they're going to be paired up in Laval and we're going to see a very good pairing there. Yeah. And I think Jane Struble in the Ottawa game was a very good pairing for, uh, oh, yeah. for, for Mayu in, in the third game. Um, so before anyone freaks out about Mayu, and yes, I will say, yes, Boston and Ottawa were weaker prospect teams than Buffalo was. Um, but that doesn't change the fact. It's like uh, a whole set after the game. We weren't looking at the talent between the two teams. We were looking at what the players were doing on the ice and how they were executing it. Whether you play against a top team or a bottom team, you still got to execute execute your plays the proper way. Right. And, and when you, when you look at it that way, it doesn't matter what the talent is you're against. Um, but uh, having said that, I think Mayu was, I'm going to have to put him down as a standout because he had that terrible, terrible first game instead of going into a shell and he picked his game up and, and calmed down. And it, I thought he played excellent. And then the third guy on that is of course, Joshua Waugh. I thought Joshua Waugh was probably oh, yeah. head heads above everybody else on the on the Canadians prospect uh, every time he was in the offensive zone he created a scoring chance every single time 
Uh, and Meshack wouldn't have had his goal if it wasn't for the work Wah did in front of the net to put that puck behind the goaltender. Um, so, and of course, his one-timer and then the tip-in. I mean, what, what can you say? about? I mean, Wah, and we're going to get into a little bit of this later, could have his foot as one of the guys they're looking at could start the season in Montreal. I'm not saying he will. Uh, but we, we talked about Heinemann. We talked about some other guys. The way he played at that rate, if he plays the way he did at that rookie camp through the regular camp, there's gonna be there's gonna be some uh decisions to be made on where they're gonna put him. I hope it's Laval, but uh I do uh, think he'll end up in Laval, yeah. but oh for sure having yeah. the, these guys step up and go to the main camp, you gotta you gotta at least get them there. You gotta invite them, mm-hmm. you gotta give them the mm-hmm. experience, and then you wanna see how they perform. Just like you mentioned with Mayu, like Hood's comments. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. It's all about how you perform. You get them there, see how they react, how they perform. Maybe they do steal a job. Maybe Sean Farrell steps his game up. Maybe Roy steals a job. Like, who knows? But I agree that I thought Roy was probably the best forward. But I saw bits of what I expected out of each player up front. Like Owen Beck, he was excellent two-way center, wins face-offs. He generated some offense. He was always in the right position defensively. Um, Excellent. Farrell showed some flashes. Yeah. And, and Fer- yeah. Farrell showed, showed some flashes. So did Heineman. Kidney. I liked what I saw from him. See, I'm the opposite. I didn't like what I saw from Kidney, and I'll tell you why. Because the first two games, I found he was afraid to get hit. He he dumped, he dumped. seen yeah. a guy coming at him a couple times in the Boston game and just dumped the puck. He didn't go into the corners. and the, Now... And the Ottawa game, totally different player. Totally different player. He was going into corners. He was throwing checks. He was mm-hmm. so I see what you're saying. However, I felt in the first two games, I was like, it looked like he was playing a William Nylander, Nylander style of hockey game and didn't yeah. want to get in those muddy areas or didn't. I don't know if he was afraid to get hurt or if he was he wasn't taking it serious, but I didn't like that from him. I didn't mind his play off the puck or with the puck. I just there those little things to me kind of irritated me. So well, it gave I'm not me a saying bad that taste. these guys I'm not saying these guys did all that every single shift. I'm no, just no, I understand. Start to finish, yeah. They started to uh, improve. They showed some flashes. With uh with Kidney, he de- he he's always been a peripheral uh, peripheral player. Mm-hmm. But in that uh, that Ottawa game, he was able to come off the boards and cut to the middle several times. So he'd battle on the boards, win the battle, and cut straight to the middle of the ice. That is what I wanted to see more of from him, and we saw it. So I think that is going to earn him an invite to the main camp at least. I don't see him going above Laval this year, but this this helped. I I think the same with Sean Farrell. I I think Sean Farrell. Stuff's falling. We have guests coming for the weekend, so we get a mattress in here. Um, Um, I think Farrell didn't show me enough. I think he'll get an invite to the main camp, but I don't think he showed me enough to show that he won't get past Laval or he will get yeah. past Laval. I mean, um, Heineman, I was a bit disappointed in. I thought I'd see more out of him, and he was very quiet. He was very quiet tournament. Um, I think he only played two games, I don't think he played the full tournament. Uh, I can't, but recall. in those two games, he did show his speed, he did show a shot. Did. He went to the he um, went to the net. I mean, he showed some good stuff there, but not. He didn't he didn't walk away with it. 
You know Correct. I mean? And and he's one of the guys that I expected to challenge for a spot in the NHL. Uh, and I think that's why I was a little bit. Yeah. And again, it's a rookie tournament. It's three games from a bunch of guys that hadn't played all summer, just getting together and doing whatever. Uh, Massar, you can really tell the weight he gained slowed him down a bit. Um, I think, I don't know if that's going to um, be a concern. I um, liked, I liked, I liked his game overall. Like he, he's someone that usually kind of darts in and out flitters around on the outside. But in these, in this showcase, he was able to slow the game down, make some plays, cut in through traffic, generate some offense by cutting through that traffic and generating passing lanes and shooting lanes. Like These are things, and his skating is still excellent. So these are things you want to see from him. And again, it screams Laval. There's no, I didn't see anything from these guys that we just mentioned that says, hey, I'm getting an NHL job. Other than what, I don't think anyone really reached that level. Um. I thought Reinbacher was solid in the two games he played. Yep. He he didn't uh, he didn't blow anyone's socks off or anything. He didn't, uh, but he played he his to. game. No, he played his. He didn't. He just went out and played. Yeah. He played his game, yep. and to me, that's. I mean, he won his board battles. He he when he did do that offensive pinch and it kind of backfired on him. He got back. Um, it prevented a, a scoring chance when he got back. Uh, he did. His, I think he didn't try to go out and too much, which was do too much, which was good. He just played his game. And uh, when he had chances offensively, he did what he could. He had a good shot chance, but he kind of flubbed the shot there. And I think it was the game against Ottawa. And, uh, but other than that, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to say, Oh, Ryan Marker fifth overall. He should. I thought he played a, he played his game. And again, you're looking at a guy who's going to pair up against a highly offensive um, defender and Lane Hudson, who I think he's going to be paired with, and he's going to do his job. Like, uh, I'll say this a hundred times, it's easier to get a wing, a star winger as a free agent or a trade than it is to get a top two defenseman, which is what I think you're going to have with Ron Bacher. Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to get to the defense here in a minute. There's something that, well, actually... I'll, I'll get to Smolanich here in a moment, mm. but the the blue line that the Canadians are starting to put together from top to bottom, NHL prospect-wise, they are all highly mobile. Mm -hmm. It's no longer that big, heavy type of defense that we saw in the 2021 run. It's no matter how big or small they are, they're all extremely mobile. They're very agile on their edges. They're able to change direction at top speed. They can handle the puck well. They do a good job clearing the zone, and they do really well in transition as well as uh, controlled zone exits and entries. So these, this style of defense, this is the way the NHL has gone, and the Canadians are finally entering that modern age. Yeah, and uh, like I say, when I talk about Gooley and Reinbacher being paired up with high offensive players, the difference is, is these guys can are offensive players as well. Like these aren't guys that are going to get you 15, 20 points. These are guys that are going to get you 35 to 45 points alongside a defenseman who get you anywhere from 50 to 60. Uh, these are the high, these are high marks. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not, you know, bef again, before anyone freaks out, these are high marks, right? These are, you know, projections, predictions. Um, 
based on how we hope they develop into what they become based on their talent leading up to the NHL. Um, it's, it's, it's stupid to get explain everything before people freak the hell out. But anyway, um, so when you say something like, so if you've got two defensemen paired up that can get you a hundred points, I mean, come on. And shut down top lines. And shut down top lines. Like, I mean, because Lane Hudson, again, he's not going to be a defensive dynamo. But you know what? Lane Hudson and Logan Mayu aren't on the ice to be defensive dynamos, right? They're on the ice for the offense they have. And that extra, Gooley and Reinbacher are are there for the defense, right? They're going to back these guys up. And then when they pinch in, they have a chance to do it too. Because, I mean, Reinbacher and Gooley both have a hell of a shot on them as well. So, and from what the scouts say in Montreal, Reinbacher's offense is, we haven't even seen it yet. And no. They really, they really like it, so. Yeah, and I fully expect to see him go back to Cloton uh, and yes. really, really explode offensively. But I do believe that is going to have an extended look in the NHL. Not just in the preseason. I think he's going to get a couple of NHL games before they send him back. I'm really, I th- I've, I'm thinking the opposite. I'm thinking he's going to get games after his season in Colton. But uh, actually, that's yeah. that's that's a possibility. Like he can, there's no nine game rule for him, so he can get a couple games and then they can go send him. Or if he, I just hope they don't keep him to keep him like they did with Slavkowski last year. I agree. I agree. He has, to, in my opinion, he has to go back so that he can develop that offensive side because mm-hmm. in the second half of the year with uh, with Colton, um, he was their top parent guy. He was their top power play guy. He's going to go back and do that again. So now he's going to have a full season in that role and allow him to expand his offensive side a little bit more before he comes back to North America. I think that would be helpful. I mean, now worst case scenario, I say top pairing in AHL if he doesn't go back to Colton, but even, even then I'd prefer him to develop his offensive skills over where he's familiar. I agree not just because it's best for him, but it's also best overall for the organization as it gives that top four at Laval to guys who are already here in North America who need that ice time as well. So now you're spreading, you're spreading out the ice time and situational play to as many guys as possible. And that's only going to help Montreal. Yep. Agreed. Now on Ty Smolonic, I thought that he did enough to earn an invite to the main camp, but he has not shown me enough to earn a contract yet. I thought he had an excellent first game against Buffalo. Um, and then that was it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, I, I went by excellent. I mean, he stood out in the Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think he, I think he scored. So, um, yeah. but uh, I agree. Um and you have to think too, some of these guys are going to have to go on an AHL, ECHL type deal because they just don't have enough room for them all. Uh, I mean, you're going to have Struble, Trudeau, Mayu, um, Turgene, uh, well, there's your top four. And then you have the, then you have the, the free agents they picked up for Laval there in the off season uh, that are going to play down there. So I can see him maybe playing for Trois-Rivières maybe to start the season and be bounced back and forth between them and Laval. But I, I think an AHL deal 
is going to be thrown at him over a uh, and i wouldn't be shocked uh, just to bring this up i wouldn't be shocked if that spooner guy gets a echl ahl deal i thought he had a pretty yeah. good game against ottawa i thought colin miller had an excellent game against boston um but of course he's going back to quebec so uh um, it all depends on whether or not the Canadians want control of the goaltending in Trois-Rivières. Because right now they have Strauss-Mann signed mm-hmm. as a goaltender to a two-way AHL-ECHL deal. Mm-hmm. Now, are they expecting Primo to clear waivers and go down? Uh, are they expecting Sp- uh, Sp- uh, Strauss-Mann to be the starter in uh, for the Lyon? Maybe they add Spoonar under the same rule that they signed uh, Joe Verbatic with, you know, the 19-year-old mm-hmm. rule. And they have themselves a, a, a pretty solid tandem for Tuadibia, where they can actually maybe compete for a little bit more than just sneak into the playoffs kind of thing. It'll be interesting with Primo, because if he doesn't, if someone claims yeah. him, Munch Dobish is the only guy they have really in Laval right now. Kevin Poolin yeah. retired. So yeah. who, who do they have? Casey DeSmith is gone. Not that he was going there anyway, but uh, so they don't really have a a backup right now in well, Primo, but uh, or Dovish, but Primo, I think they're expecting Primo to clear waivers and get to be able to go to Laval. I think that's what they're. Expecting. That is the expectation. However, I can see them hedging their bets. I, I know people are saying, "Well, they were they just drafted three guys." Yeah, but none of those three guys are going to be signed to a deal right now. So you get. No, Spoonar in, and he just fills a hole in the interim. Yeah, you know, he, until, he looks serviceable. Let him fill a hole there and go with it. Until Miller and Fowler are ready to take the next step, or the so Russian not be, comes over. Yeah, it'll be a year or two at the at the at the least before any, any of them show up. For any of them, yeah. And this Russian goalie's looking pretty good at the VHL yeah. over in in Russia, so. They did their homework on these goalies. And he didn't have to get loaned out to another team that's lower in the standings. He stayed right where he was. Yeah, how's that loan going? I know he had a point, two points in his first game, but I don't think he got anything in the second game. I don't know. Who? Yeah. Who are you talking about? That, uh, that, that guy. The superstar of all superstars that's going to play for the Flyers. Neil Yakubov? Yeah, that's that's it. Happy Boolin. <laughs> Arthur's the universe. The cosmos. The cop. It's just a game. It's just a game. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that that covers the rookie camp side. So let's let's switch gears to the trade. So you mentioned DeSmith uh being gone. And at the top of the show, I mentioned it's DeSmith for Pearson and a third. Now, for me, the key to that trade that makes it a decent trade is not just the pick, but no salary retained. By either team. So it's exactly. a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> um, I thought they got more than what I thought they get for DeSmith. I'll be honest. I thought yep. they were going to get a fourth or fifth round pick for DeSmith, and that was about it. Um, it does give them... 2025 they have two first rounds two second rounds two third rounds and two fourth round picks um if i'm correct on that i don't have my you are depending Um, on the calgary first round pick like it could be 2037 
Who knows? It, it depends on if the moon and the sun and the cosmos line up in the right direction before that pick comes out. Um, yeah. So, but for me, I, I don't understand the Tanner Pearson part of it. Now, I know you mentioned in your tweet, he gives grit. He gives, and I agree. He, he He's a veteran that's going to be give you bottom six yeah. minutes, uh, kill penalties. He's going to give you that grit. He's, he's a gritty guy. He's not afraid to get dirty, but there's no room. <laughs> as it is and now you're putting someone like Pizzetta, Yalone and RHP Slavkowski which one of them already can't make the team um unless Armia gets waived or something like that uh now you're going to have two of them can't make the team unless other people are moved or waived so that's my only i guess issue with the with the, with the deal um yeah and the and the cap space it just raised our cap space to over 6 million Three million of that is penalties from last year, um, but uh, it makes me think Pierre LeBron might be correct on something he's been hearing out of Montreal. That's all. That there's more trades coming, and it's going to be involve a huge name of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if anyone's heard that rumor yet. It was on the game. Uh, a huge name in Montreal. Yeah. Um, trying to find. Kovacevic, that's one of the biggest names there. It's actually oh, you small. actually meant like oh. a huge player. Well, he's not big. I might be now. He hasn't played in a while. <laughs> well, I, I can, I can. Well, I don't know about trading away price now. When you think about there being six million over the cap, yeah. But if but keeping prices, prices helps them, but price is on the cap. So you trade him, you lost your you're you're under the cap by four million because price isn't on LTIR yet. So. Not yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, my big thing is the fact that you have way too many forwards that you're going to push a young guy like RHP or Yelona out of the lineup for a plug. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I totally understand that point of view. I kind of feel the same way at the same time, but uh, with Dvorak out with injury earlier on in the season, leaves that spot open Mm -hmm. for now. Um, And I look at the uh, adding Pearson one um, when he's healthy, he is, he's an excellent five on five player. He can, he, he does puck retrieval extremely well. He, he plays extremely well at five on five. Um, He can play with better players. He can play down the lineup, up the lineup. That would make him if he stays healthy and fairly productive. Like I'm not saying, a point every other game but if he can have 20 points by the time the trade deadline happens that's a guy that can get you a second round pick oh totally and i was going to bring that up later i mean the positive to tanner is he's a free agent and you can dump him at the trade deadline now he had uh hand injuries all last season kept only 14 games played got five points but he is a 30 the year before he did have 34 points in 68 games so that's what 0.5 points a game or so you know 14 is a former 20 goal scorer i did it a couple times so and he's got a cup rank yes with los angeles do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice in the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Um, this is the guy that uh, Bergevin had this mat. He was just drooling over for a few years trying to get him. I think Hughes, Hughes got gets him. him. Hughes yeah. got him just because Bergevin didn't. <laughs> I can get him and you can't. Yeah. Mm. Um, but to, I, I mean, I think there's more move. I truly believe there's more moves to be made. Um, yeah. I just don't know who. Uh, the only rumor I hear is price. And I'm with you. I mean, yeah. either uses LTIR or tr- either way, it's the same thing, really. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, we have way too many defensemen. Now we have way too many forwards. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a confusing time right now in Montreal. Um, Joel Armia for a first round pick. It's happening. It's happening. Hey, maybe. Hear me out. Price's LTIR contract to Toronto for William Nylander. Hear me out. Relieves Toronto's cap. And it gives Montreal enough room to sign William Neely. You're just trolling now. There's your star forward, people. There's your star. Why not just kick both fan bases in the nuts? When it comes to that, I'm writing an article on this just for clickbait research. And (laughs) Bryce (laughs) Nylander, that's the whole title. That's all it's going to say. A big explanation point. (laughs) Oh, boy. Careful. Burn your house. The the thing is, though, uh, with Bryce, even if they do trade, where is he going to go? Really? He has to go to a team that needs LTIR. Uh, that or Arizona where every other star player has gone when he hasn't retired yet. Um, I mean, they literally have Vegas. They literally have the 2008 all-star team in Arizona right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So I I don't, like I say, I'm not against the trade. I don't think it's a terrible trade. I don't think it's a, Actually, I'm going to say it's a good trade because they actually got more for DeSmith than I thought they would get. A third-round pick is excellent. A third-round pick alone would have been excellent for DeSmith. Personally. Yeah. Um, you know, and now the, the player... possibility of a player that he can flip at the deadline yeah. for as much uh, as a second. Maybe you know a third or a fourth, but if he forms well, they can possibly get a second. I mean, even, even if they get a third, you basically got two third-round picks for a backup goalie. Never played a single game in in your team, but he did have Jose Theodore's number online. Yes, he did. There was a picture of him wearing sixty. Was his hair flowing behind him? No, but I heard the mafia contacted and said, "Whoa, hey, <laughs> the Propecia bottle is ours." Yeah, lay off the Rogaine. <laughs> we do Propecia in this city. Um, um, 
Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I know people are going to get pissed off about the trade for some reason, somehow, somewhere. Vancouver needed a veteran backup goaltender to help Demko. And they're going for a playoff spot this year. So this this made perfect sense for them. Yeah, I thought I, I think it's a fair trade for both teams. I don't think anyone really won or lost the trade. Uh, no. Everyone got what they wanted. I think Casey DeSmith, I mean, Casey DeSmith is a 9-11 career save percentage. So it's not like he's a junk goalie. Um, no, he's a guy you can rely on for 30 games. Yeah. Um, again, I just, I just don't. Uh, the only thing I get out of the Tanner Pearson thing is the, that you can flip him at the trade deadline. That's it. Uh, and a solid veteran f- guy at the at the in your bottom six to help guide along the the young guys, I suppose. But my fear is that it's going to push a young guy out of a spot. That's all. There is that possibility. I do agree. Now, I don't know. I think this was mostly done just to piss off Bergevin <laughs> at this point. Big time, big time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's what this is all about. So all you. Uh, PK Subin lovers, you should be loving this trade. Yeah. Ken Hughes Love hears it. you. He hears you. Sure. Oh, Bergevin couldn't get Tanner Pearson. Hold my beer. Hold my Molson. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for the trade. Um, if there is a cap casualty, if it's not price, who do you honestly think is going, it would be moved out to help, you know, kind of solidify the, the salary cap. The easiest guy to trade out is Josh Anderson. Because there's going to actually be a need for Josh Anderson somewhere. Uh, I mean, you want, of course you want to say Joel, Joel Armia, you want to say Brendan Gallagher, you want to say all these high price guys. I mean, and I'm not young. Duncan on Brendan Gallagher. Um, I'm just saying a 6.5 for a guy who's going to play on the third line. Uh, who probably won't get back to the 30 goal scorer he was. No. Um, mind you, he earned that contract when he signed it. So I'm not going to, you know, take that away from him. Um, but really, you 5.5 for Josh Anderson, and then you throw Armia down in the minors and you just cleared your cap. So, uh, true. It is true. And you're going to get a good return for Josh Anderson if you trade him off. I I, I mean, that's just a logical move for me. I, it's not what I want. Of course, I would love to see them move Joel Armia, but who's going to take Joel Armia? <laughs> you know, he's Yager for 21 game out of every 20, and then he's Phil Bork for the rest. So... <laughs> You know, like it's that's that's my only thing. Anderson to me is the logic. You could say Mike Matheson, but he just got the A, and I don't think they have any at this point in time. I don't think they're in a rush to move him. Uh he's basically contract's gonna be almost over by the time guys like Ryan Bucker, Hudson, and Mayu are all ready to be regulars on the blue line. So um he's kind of in that perfect spot. If someone wants to take Gallagher six and a half million, okay. But again, I don't see, I just think Anderson will be the easiest contract to move. Yes. 
Sorry, all you Anderson lovers, and you're welcome, all you Anderson analytical guy guys who hate Anderson. I, I that's the problem uh, with leading all the way on to one thing versus another. You know, eye test versus analytics, or vice versa. You miss out on the the nuance. So this is a guy who plays a power forward game, mm -hmm. and I don't know how you can quantify that with the analytics you can't. solely. You can't. You, I don't think you can quantify any player with analytics solely or the eye test solely or anything like that. You have to take the entire picture and put it together. And uh, there's nothing against analytics, but analytics doesn't tell you the picture. It just tells you a part of the picture. Uh, I like Anderson. I like his style of play. I wish he'd stay healthier. I wish he'd be more consistent. Um, if he played consistently, he's a 30 goal scorer easily in the NHL. Um, but he doesn't. And uh, I don't think he's overpaid at five and a half million. I think it's pretty good deal for that type of player right now. Um, yeah. But like you said, if we needed to move money out and it's not going to be carry price, that is to me, that's the only logical contract that can be moved out. I mean, he, he, he's the one that holds the most value. He's got uh, the most value to a playoff team. He's at the right age now. He's in, you know, just coming out of his prime, um, you know, sitting at about 28, 29 years old. His salary cap, especially considering that the cap is going to be going up significantly next year, seems to be a lot more palatable. So you could, you could get something of true value in return for him, but you're losing that uh, that speedy, big, heavy hitting, four checking power forward, and you don't have that to replace. I mean, you could say Slavkowski, but Slavkowski doesn't have the he's speed Anderson has, he, and he's not ready. Um, and I don't see anyone else on the team that could uh, Kirby Doc, but he's going to play center. So Joel Armia, yeah, if he plays like Joel Armia every twenty second game. If he played if, if he played like that every game, Jesus, he'd be a his three million contract would be a steal. Are you but, kidding? 60% of the time, he's awesome 100 percent of the time. It's more like 10% of the time. He's awesome 100 percent of the time. <laughs> um but uh yeah, to me, that's the only I mean, the only other thing I can see you doing is maybe giving up like a Jordan Harris or a Justin Barron along with Armia and a pick just to get rid of the contract. And I don't think Hughes, That's too Hughes, much. Hughes is not a fan of giving up assets for nothing. So, uh, especially not good, solid young assets. Yeah. So, I mean, there will be a time when you're going to have to look at all these young defensemen and make a clear view of who's in your future and who's not. And then yeah. move. Cause I mean, if Reinbacher may you, Gooley and uh, Hudson are going to be your top four, then I think Barron and Harris are expendable just for the simple fact mm -hmm. you're, you don't want to bury top four players on your bottom pairing. Uh, you're, you're better off, especially when you have Jack Eye, who is the perfect bottom pairing. And then you can plug the other th part, the other one in with a random NHL vet. Um, you can get trade those guys for excellent assets because you're basically trading a top four defenseman. So, or 
maybe Baron and Harris are the guys that are going to end up staying and maybe Ghoulies out. I don't know. I'm just saying that's my view on it. Um, like I know a lot of people say get rid of Jackeye and keep Harris, but I wouldn't want to bury Harris or Baron on the third pairing if they're not third pairing defense if they're top four defensemen. That's just wasting an asset, in my opinion. Okay. I'm I agree. Uh all right, so that's pretty much it for this episode. Um final thoughts. Why do pancakes always win at baseball? They have better batter. <laughs> Ooh. What do you call having your grandma on speed dial? Instagram. Come on, that one was funny. That was pretty. Okay, anyway, I'm done. Uh, nothing. I got nothing. Um, Horrible. I got 10 days left before my show on the 30th. So if you're in Halifax, it's Spat Theater on Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Um, come see a bunch of fake tanned uh, naked guys standing on stage. Um, almost naked. Almost naked. Um, other than that, no. Uh, hey, I think there's more to come. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't doubt there will be, won't, I would not, so what I'm looking for, I wouldn't doubt there'll be another move before October 10th. Uh, remember, preseason is preseason. Exhibition games are exhibition games. Don't read too much into them. Uh, remember, this team's not a playoff team, and it's not a bottom five team. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think they're going to draft around 12 or 13 from the bottom. So relax. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy the season. Watch stars from Watch start watch Caulfield score his goals. Let's hope for a healthy season. And if you wanted them to tank, let's not hope for a healthy season because that's the only way they're going to drop to the bottom five again. But uh, and let's see what happens. Let's hope they everyone, all the young guys improve. That's all we can hope for. Just relax, relax, as Carrie Price would say. And uh, for me, I just want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the episode. Thank you for sending us. Uh, all your comments and your emails and interacting with us on social media. I know that um, our show totals haven't been as much as we want, but with the very, very busy schedule that we have from our day jobs and Treg lifting heavy things and spray tanning, um, it's just unfortunate the way it's going to work out. Uh, with me, I'm going to be uh, even busier as the season wears on. So, uh, we'll we'll do our best to put out as much as we can, and uh, most of all, we'll do our best to watch every single game because, like Trey said, we want to see these guys play. We want to see them perform. We want to see them improve. Not necessarily it's it's not necessarily about wins. It's about how they win and how they lose. Are the games close? Are they competitive? Are players improving? That's what matters this year. So. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for helping us out. And remember, when if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.